Well, this morning we find ourselves reading a narrative from nearly 2,000 years ago. A people of God that had been taken out of the land because of their unfaithfulness. But a people of God who have been brought back into the land because of the faithfulness of God. Because he has been faithful to the covenant promises that he gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For nearly 70 years, they were in exile. 70 years. They had been kicked out of the land. They had come back into the land in 538 B.C. But here in chapter 6, we find ourselves 20 years later, around 516 B.C. And for the past 20 years, they've been floundering. They've stalled out on what God has called them to do. And so God injected his word. He sent the prophets that they might listen to the word of God. And we read in verse 14 that the elders and the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah. The word does what it always does. It injects life into God's people. About a month ago, I preached on Ezra 4.24 all the way to Ezra 6.18. As John told me afterwards, you covered a lot of ground. What I want to do this morning is I want us just to look back at these last few verses of this chapter, but also to look forward at the end of the chapter. And I want us to remember what we talked about last time. That all things are going according to God's divine plan. That God's divine, sovereign, eternal decree is working. And the scriptures tell us that. They tell us that in verse 14. They finished their building by the decree of God of Israel and by the decree of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. Everything is working out according to God's decree. And he does this without violating the wills of people, without being the authors of sin, without removing the contingency of second causes. Everything that we've seen from chapter 1 to chapter 6, we've seen happen because God has been faithful to his people. And today, I want us to ask ourselves, how does this grace of God allow us to be God's people? Because that's what we, that's what we see in chapter 6. That's what we see at the end of chapter 6. God's people are flourishing because of God's grace for them. And I want you to ask yourself, what does God's grace look like in my life? life? What does it look like in the life of my family? What does God's grace look like in the life of our church? As John often says, this is the question before the house. 
And we're going to find the answer not by some subjective introception or interpretation of who we are as individuals and how we feel. We're not going to sift through our emotional roller coaster and find out who we are and what God's grace has done for us. We're going to see that it's only founded upon the Word of God. And this morning, I want us to see three things, three ways God's people receive divine grace through celebration, through communion, and through covenant. Through celebration, through communion, and through covenant. On August 21st, 2016, something wonderful took place. A people gathered together to celebrate a new monument. And people from all time have been, said it's been celebrating new monuments because monuments are important. Whether it's the Washington Monument or the Gateway Arch or Mount Rushmore or the Statue of Liberty, or even buildings such as the White House, or St. Peter's Cathedral, or a local monument, the Lorraine Motel. Monuments are important. Children, I want you to think about something that you own that makes you think of something else, maybe a trophy. If you received a trophy, when you see that trophy, you think of everything that you did to earn that trophy. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's something your grandparents gave you. When you think of that thing and think of what it took to receive it, it is a monument. Because that's what monuments do. It makes us think of what it took to receive them. It can create great honor and dignity. But monuments can also cause sadness and sorrow if it reminds us of something that we lost or someone that we lost. Monuments are historical reminders memorializing what matters. And when we see a monument, we must ask ourselves what happened. And we can see this not only in our personal lives and not only in the history of the United States or world history. We actually see this throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture, God tells his people to build monuments, whether they're altars or buildings or memorial stones or simply writing the word of God in their houses. The scriptures are filled with God's people making monuments to remind them of what? What is the monument in scripture supposed to remind the people about? The faithfulness of God, right? When we see these monuments throughout scripture, we're supposed to remember God is faithful. Well, what happened on August 21st, 2016? I'm, I'm sure you're dying to know. Well, on August 21st, 2016, a small group of people, around 200, gathered to commemorate and memorialize God's faithfulness to them. And they were gathered in a place in Fayette County. 
Because on August 21st, 2016, the members of Christ Presbyterian Church dedicated this building as a monument of God's faithfulness to them. Maybe you were there. I hope you remember it well. And if you weren't, I found the sermon from that service and posted it this, this past week. So you can go back and listen to it. And if you listen to it, you will very quickly hear the importance of that service. As Chris Treat barely made it through the scripture, he almost ugly cried. You will hear of that great day of celebration that this church had in this community celebrating God's faithfulness to us. Chris knew of its significance. He knew of its importance. Many of you all knew what went on to create this church. And we gathered to joyfully celebrate not what we have done, but the faithfulness of God. Right here in Fayette County, in this place, when you see this building, you come inside this building, it should remind you of God's faithfulness to his people. A physical building, not some abstract saving of our souls. That, Of course, that happens. But God gave his people, he gave us a building as a monument of what he has done for us in Christ. He has blessed us. He loves us. And this should cause us great joy. When I went back and I listened to that sermon, I listened to Chris Treat, the church planter of Christ Presbyterian Church, and I heard him fighting off the tears as he reads the scriptures. It reminded me of Ezra 3, when the people came back into the land and they built the altar, and they were singing and worshiping, and some of them cried out and were mourning, and some were yelling with joy, and they were all yelling so loud that it was hard to distinguish who was weeping and who was celebrating. Because in Ezra 3, the people knew what was going on. The people knew that the temple foundation was being laid because of their unfaithfulness. They had been kicked out of the land, but they were now celebrating that they were who they were, and they were where they were by God's grace alone. And it caused them overwhelming joy. And then we see that same, theory, same thing here in verse 16. They finished the building, and it caused them joy. And the people, oh, sorry, verse 16, and the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the returned exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with great joy. Because the temple represented that God was amongst his people. The temple was a representation of God's favor for them, of his promises. 
The temple was at the center of their worship. It reminded them of who they were and what they were called to do. And on August 21st, 2016, Christ Presbyterian Church gathered together to celebrate God's covenant faithfulness to them. Is that what this church does for you? How often do you drive down Teague Store Road, Teague Store Road and see this building and remind yourself, God has been faithful to us? Do you say when you see it, do you see that building? That's a memorial. That's a building solely founded upon God's grace for his people. Because that's what was behind Chris Treat's tears, right? Chris Treat knew of the sweat and the tears, the struggles, the happiness, but also the dark times of what preceded the building of this temple. As I talked to Bill Ray, Chris Treat knew of Bill Scheibe's and Chief Gibbons and Carl Ray and the prayer that had gone on from the members of IPC and the people that helped start this church. Chris Treat and John and the eight deacons and elders, they all knew what this building meant. And it had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with God's faithfulness to his people. They were celebrating everything that God had done, everything that God was doing, and even further yet, they were celebrating everything that God will use this church to do in this county and in this world for the glory of Christ. This church building is a memorial of God's faithfulness. And in this building from August 21st, 2016, and probably, I think a little bit before that, I wasn't really here then, until March 15th, 2020, Christ Presbyterian Church had gathered every Lord's Day to remember of God's faithfulness. And then we stopped. We stopped meeting. We stopped singing together. We stopped for 12 consecutive Lord's Days, and we didn't meet under this roof. How many of you drove down Teague Store Road during those 12 weeks? How many of you pulled into the parking lot and were constantly reminded of God's faithfulness to you? Let me ask you, what did that do to your family? What did that do to you? To not be constantly reminded in this people, sitting next to the people you're sitting next to now, what did that do to you that you didn't meet, that we didn't meet for 12 weeks? We had to go almost three months without being inside this building. And for us, when we stopped, we didn't stop completely. We put sermons online. We put music online. We put the online bulletin that I'm sure a lot of you went through for about two weeks. Just joking. But for 12 weeks, we didn't 
completely stopped. Completely stopped. But we stopped. And then when we came back, we had regulations. We couldn't have too many people. We recommended masks. We weren't singing. Twelve weeks we went without meeting together. In Ezra 6, the people had not worshipped together for a hundred years. A hundred years. And they had nothing. No music. No singings. I mean, I guess they didn't have masks either, but they had nothing. Last week when we had the Lord's Supper, it was the first time we had the Lord's Supper since March of 2020. And it brought tears to my eyes that we were remembering what the Lord had done for us in Christ. It was about 14 months. When we get to Ezra 6, that generation had never celebrated the Lord's Passover. Not once, because they couldn't celebrate the Passover without the temple. Forty-two thousand people came out of exile back to Jerusalem. They had been in the land for twenty years, and because we've experienced twenty twenty, we know what happens when you don't do anything but sit around in your homes. They probably had a lot more children over those twenty years. For the first time, they were celebrating. They were coming together as God's people to the temple of God to remember God's faithfulness to them. What does this building remind you of? When you see this building, does it cause you to have joy? Because that's what we do here. That's what we do inside these walls. We are to be a joyous people for what the Lord has done for us. In seeing this building, you should remember that we gather under the name of Christ. And that should overwhelm us, overwhelm us with joy. What does it do for you? Every time you drive down Teakstor Road. I'm going to get a little bit more specific. So let's be honest, it's Father's Day. Dads, what does this church building do for you? Let's be honest. Does it get us excited? Because guess what? If it doesn't get you excited probably is not going to get your kids excited. Right? Because the kids see through us, right? They see what really matters to us. They see what gets us excited. They see what causes us joy. Do we have joy when we come to this building? If we want this church and this county to be a monument for what God has done for us in Christ, 
this church building must be important to you or it will not be important to your children. If what goes on in this building does not excite you because of the work of God, your children will see how you react when you talk about the work of God. I know, because it happens to me all the time. I can get really excited. This is my job. I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be excited on Sunday mornings. I do get excited. I can hardly eat on Sunday mornings because I know what's going on here. God is feeding his people with the eternal word. He's feeding us with Christ. And yet sometimes I can barely pray with my children. And they see that. They know what's more important to me. Sometimes I don't read the scriptures with them. And guess what? They see that. They see I would rather watch another Marvel movie for the 100th time than to read the scriptures with them. Are we teaching them that the triune God of heaven and earth is faithful to us? And does that cause us joy? Because our children will see that. There was little joy in Babylon. While the people were in exile, they didn't have anything to celebrate. But then God returned his people And it's, I think it's just incredible to see the people did nothing. It was just like a second exodus. Because when the people came out of Egypt, what did they do? They walked. And this is what we're told here in Ezra. When they came out of exile, they walked. God did everything by his divine grace. God reminded his people that he, again, remembered them and was gracious and faithful to them. So we see in verses 17 and 18, the people had a party, right? 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs as a sin offering for all of Israel. 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. And they set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their divisions for the service of God at Jerusalem, as is written in the word of Moses. God was at work. And by his divine grace, he called them out of nothing. They didn't belong there. They belonged in exile, right? Because of their sin. The people belonged in exile, but because of God's mercy and grace, he brought them and constituted them as his people. Well, guess what? You don't belong here. I don't belong here. If this church is founded upon things that we do, if this church is dependent upon the work of men, none of us belong here. But this is what the temple, this is what this church memorializes. We celebrate the gospel here because none of us belong here. As John said on August 21st of 2016, we are a turtle on a post. We don't belong here. 
but it's because of God's divine grace that he has called us to be his people. And he placed us here in Fayette County because our sins have been dealt with in Christ. He has cast out our past and placed us in Christ. This building, this church, we are people that do not represent our own work. If you ask any of our ruling elders, Bill or Mike or Blake, or our teaching elders, John and myself, or any of our deacons, none of us believe we are here because anything that any of us have done. We are here. This building stands in this place today because of what God has done in Christ. If Jesus is your king, which is what we're doing here, right? That's why we gather here. We say Jesus is our king. then whatever you do, this church should give you your deepest sense of identity. This church should give you your deepest sense of fulfillment. And this church should answer your deepest calling because all that we have is in Christ. This is why we celebrate with joy. This is why we are here. And this is why the people in Ezra 6 are having a party. Because God's divine grace for them. This is how God's grace enables us to be his people. Because of Christ. Is that what this building stands for, for you? Is this what you're teaching your children or your spouse or your grandparents or your grandchildren or your neighbor, or your co-worker. Christ Presbyterian Church is in Fayette County to proclaim the glory of Christ and his faithfulness to his people. And everything that we see here, as we see in verse 18, everything that the people are doing, how are they doing it? Because it's written in the book of Moses. I have two more points, but I'm seeing I'm 26 minutes into this. And so I'm, I'm just going to end it there. I'm not going to get to the covenant and to the communion. Except for one point. The people celebrate, they dedicate the temple Then a month later, they celebrate the Passover for the first time in almost a hundred years. But let's look at this. Let's look at this verse. Verse 21. It was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile and also by everyone who had joined them and separated himself from the uncleanliness of the people of the land to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. If you remember Exodus 12, who was supposed to celebrate the Passover? Israel. That's it. 
or anyone who had been circumcised in the house because they had received God's covenant blessing. But what do we see here in verse 21? Anyone who has separated themselves to the word of God, to the covenant document of God's people, anyone who is separating themselves is receiving the Lord's Passover. Genesis 12 is being fulfilled where God's people are fulfilling their purpose to be a blessing to the nations. Remember, Haggai and Zechariah are prophesying. What does Zechariah say in Zechariah 2? The new city will not have walls because of the multitudes of people that the gospel will bring in, celebrating the faithfulness of God. The feast, the Passover, is breaking the barriers of ethnic Israel and blessing the nations. And we see this fulfilled at Pentecost. We see this fulfilled in Acts 10, when the Gentiles believe because God is faithful in Christ. This is what this church stands for. We are a pillar in this community for God's faithfulness and God's unmerited grace in Christ. This is how God's grace enables us to be his people, to be a blessing to the nations. Let's pray.